Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Exorgat Deus Dissipentur de Nemigeus et Fugiancio Derenteum Apache Eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. What an interesting month of November. As we head into this Advent season, it's really been an interesting couple of months, hasn't it? Clearly, God is at work. I know it probably doesn't seem that way to the average person. The average person is looking and going, oh, goodness gracious, Cardinal Burke has just gotten pulled out of his uh, his apartment and and his salary taken from him. Bishop Strickland has just been removed from his diocese. The church militant has imploded. People are going crazy everywhere. It's pandemonium. But God truly is at work. It's impressive, actually. We're getting ready to head into 2024. Right before Advent. By the time you hear this, I can honestly truly say that I hope that you are beginning a new beginning for this year. It's really, really interesting. What amazing times we live in. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in prayer. Contra nequitiam et insidias diabolias do praesidium. Imperatili Deus, suplicas de precamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, santra maliosque spiritus malignos, que ad perditionum animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum netrude. Amen. Cor Jesus sacratissimum, miserere nobis, mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis, beatus carolus e domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facim tuum et salvi erimus, ave Maria purissima, immaculata conceptio est, in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. It truly, truly is interesting. Amazing, you might say. Absolutely wonderful. 
And I know it seems odd to say it's wonderful. I am not celebrating the removal of Cardinal Burke from his apartments in Rome. I'm not celebrating the removal of his salary. In fact, actually, I believe that to be one of the most gross injustices. Um, In fact, actually, to some degree, I would argue that it's a little bit more unjust than what happened to Bishop Strickland earlier, just a few weeks ago. But I got to tell you, when I look back over the last couple of months, I see the hand of God. And Caleb, how can you say that? These are absolute tragedies. I see the hand of God. For those of us who are paying attention, for everyone who's been looking so deeply into Catholic prophecy, and if you've been listening to this podcast, then you know at least about it. You've been watching maybe LifeSite News or Return to Tradition or Restoring the Faith Media, listening to Mike Church on the Crusade Channel. And Kennedy Hall, John Henry Weston, if you've heard any of the interviews with Xavier, with Xavier Eral, uh, man, you know, I can actually speak French, and it drives me nuts when I trip over his name. If you've been paying attention to any of the interviews of Xavier Eral, you know all about these. Our Lady of Akita. Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of La Salette, Our Lady of Nock, Our Lady of Quebejo. You know all about these. You know, I paid attention to a couple of extras, ones that are, you know, they're, um, what's the best way to put it? The bishops, and I gotta be honest with you, if the bishops in question for our, for the apparitions of Our Lady um, under the title, under her title, Our Lady of America, if if the bishops who investigated that one, I actually trusted, and I'm sorry, and it, it pains me to not be able to trust, but uh, admittedly, you know, <clears throat> Sister Mary Ephraim did a lot of traveling around, and it's several dioceses, and one of the bishops is not awesome. But one of the other bishops is actually Cardinal Burke. Cardinal Burke actually reviewed it and said, oh yeah, this is definitely a good thing. And so Our Lady of America, for me, that's sufficient. Cardinal Burke, back when he was a bishop. (laughs) But if you've been paying attention to all of these apparitions, then you know this is exactly how things were going to go. And I was just actually uh, listening to an older LifeSide episode with John Henry Weston, and he was talking about the prophecies of Our Lady of Akita, bishop against bishop, cardinal against cardinal. And he actually raised that it might actually be not the good bishops fighting against heretic bishops, the good cardinals fighting against apostate cardinals, that it might actually be good bishops fighting against other good bishops. And when you look at when you look at the trials and tribulations of those of us who've attended the Society of St. Pius X, constantly being called schizies, oh, you're schismatic. Yeah. Right. I will tell you 
these things in a weird way pump me up because I look around and I see prophecy coming true. And what is prophecy in this context? I mean, we're talking about predominantly private revelations, but private revelations that rhyme with, with public revelation. And Caleb, how is that, how is that so? Well, our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Akita. Do they not sound like St. John's Apocalypse? Do they not sound like the Book of Daniel? Do they not sound like Ezekiel? Do they not sound like the Minor Prophets? Does this not echo with truth? I mean, sure, it is painful. Absolutely painful. It's horrifying. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, though I am the last person who would have thought that I would have known the names of so many prelates, the names of so many priests, the names of so many people around the world. If you went back 20 years, I knew Benedict, but I didn't know Benedict's name. Not his given name. I knew Pope Benedict XVI. That's what I knew. I did not know that, like, when going back then, at the beginning, at the beginning, before I returned to Holy Mother Church, I did not know that Pope Benedict's name was Joseph Ratzinger. I did not know that he was a former prefect for the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. Or, as I prefer to say it, since I'm turning more and more into a Catholic imperialist, I did not know that he was the former prefect for the Holy Office of the Inquisition. For a long time, I didn't know that. I did find out eventually. I found out after he resigned. I did not know Pope Francis's given name, Jorge Mario Bergoglio, not until later. I knew he was from somewhere in Latin America, but I did not know that he was a Jesuit. He had been a Jesuit, that he was, the, that he was an Argentine bishop, that he was the Cardinal Archbishop of Buenos Aires. I would later find out that the Cardinal Archbishop of Buenos Aires, Jorge Mario Bergoglio, would actually oversee a Eucharistic miracle. So he knows full well that the body that that the 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 Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We had under his watch yet another revelation, for lack of a more accurate word another revelation of Christ's presence in the holy in in the blessed sacrament in the holy eucharist i would find these things out later i would not have ever imagined that i would know that there was a cardinal raymond leo burke i would not know that there was both a bishop tobin and a cardinal tobin which gets to be very, very difficult because oftentimes I want to just rail on Cardinal Tobin, but I got to be careful not to get him mixed up with Bishop Tobin or Bishop Strickland. I did not even know, actually, for a long time, I did not even know what a papal nuncio was. I just heard the name and the, the title in passing, and I would not have been able to tell you in previous years. In fact, while. Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano was the papal nuncio to the United States. I could not have, I, at the time, I could not have told you 
that he was a papal nuncio. I could not have told you what a papal nuncio was. Today, I am well aware of the fact that it is now Archbishop Christophe Pierre, who is the papal nuncio. More than that, I also know he does not seem to be too particularly happy with the, Uni with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops or their current head, Bishop Broglio. I think it's Bishop. Is it Bishop Broglio or is it Archbishop? Either way, the fact that I know Bishop Broglio's name, the fact that I can do a rundown of names, <clears throat> let's see, Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Tobin, Cardinal Dolan, Cardinal Supich, Cardinal Gregory, Bishop Tobin, Bishop Strickland, Archbishop Cordiglione, Cardinal McElroy. Like, this is way longer of a list than I would have ever imagined. I would even actually know, and there are still others. Now, I know, or I knew I met personally the Archbishop of the military, of the Archdiocese, well, the Bishop of the Archdiocese of the military, met him. He was the one who, he was the one who confirmed me in the Catholic faith. <clears throat> of course, I would know the various priests that, that would be my, that would be my parish priests in the various locations. There are a couple of priests who I actually believe, you know, um, was very, very close to on a spiritual level that I don't even know their names, but I know a long list of names of priests, N not just father Altier or father Altman, not just father Mike Schmidt, not just the ones that have been kind of big and powerful names. Like, like, well, uh, I still believe he's father Pavone, even though he's not allowed to wear his collar anymore. <clears throat> Father Ripperger. I mean, I can run down to like, I actually know a few exorcists. That'd be beyond just the reach of the places that I've actually lived and the, and the churches that I've actually attended. I know a lot more names than I would have thought. And of course, there are the more famous Catholics, you know, Michael Matt, the Michael Matts, the Taylor Marshalls, the Kennedy Halls, uh, you know, and <clears throat> Anthony Abate and Rob, and Rob over it. Uh, uh, avoiding Babylon, Dr. Anthony Stein at Return to Tradition, Mike Parrott of RTF and, and the Crusade Channel, the King Dude, Mike Church, John Henry Weston, Raymond Arroyo. I mean, there are plenty of names. Father Mitch Packwell. I mean, there are plenty of names that I know, people, people whom I would like to meet and get to know more, people whom I've talked to at least over the phone. There are lots of people. These aren't circles I would necessarily want to run in because I don't want to be at that level. But I would like to know all of those people, to be sure. And as I watch all of this turmoil come to pass, and if we're being honest, it started on October 7th. Like, there was a lot of stuff that was fumbling around and this, that, and the other. There, there were a lot of big news items over the last couple of years. Russia's invasion of Ukraine was kind of a big deal, obviously. It did not turn out the way everybody thought it would. It certainly did not turn out the way I thought it would. I 
thought we would be well into this into the third world war by now as it sets right now maybe it's going to be israel and hamas but i got to be honest with you as time passes while israel is about to commit genocide and i know they are hamas is already hell-bent on genocide we all know they are hamas hezbollah iran all those other people i mean they're all doing their thing but everybody's kind of backing down because everybody's starting to realize exactly what's on the table here. <clears throat> Ish. Are there going to be other surges? Probably. Are we eventually going to end up like, in all honesty, I personally think that when the fire falls from the skies, when, when fire does from the, fall from the sky, if it turns out to be a nuke, it's going to be a surprise. I think a lot of people aren't going to expect it and then boom, some cities are going to suddenly go missing. But even our ladies, our, our ladies prophecy in uh, with Fatima, she said whole nations will be destroyed. Has anybody taken a look at Armenia lately? Armenia is almost gone. Assuming they're not already gone. It's kind of hard to actually pay too close attention there because nobody's paying attention. Everybody who's everybody who's actually suffering the worst and look i'm not trying to take it away from the muslims in gaza and i'm not trying to take it away from the from the israelis but i'm going to be blunt but neither of those two sides are really suffering they're angry they're too angry to suffer all right they're lying about each other they're talking all this all this great game but the fact is, is they're both too angry to suffer you know who's suffering? Palestinian Christians. You know who's suffering? You know who's suffering in Europe? Christians. The Muslims aren't suffering. The Jews aren't suffering. Christians are suffering. And to be point blank about it, it's because neither one of them have the absolute do not lie. As a Catholic, I can't just lie to non-Catholics. I can't walk up to a pagan and tell them some kind of falsehood. I can't talk. I'm not supposed to lie to my enemies. I'm not supposed to lie to the indifferent. And I'm certainly not supposed to lie to my friends and to my brethren. As a Christian, the rule, do not lie, is a rule across the board. Nowhere else, communists lie all the time. How can you tell? Look Look at the government. They don't even try to play ball. They're not even pretending they're within the rules. You got the Federal Bureau of Investigation. If I remember correctly, the Federal Bureau of Investigation is now currently investigating some 15-year-old kid, traditional Catholic kid, from some crap he said on a Discord server or something. Like, really, dude? That's the biggest threat. Hundreds of thousands of people across on the border. Terrorists from all nations just flooding into the country. And you're worried about some 15-year-old kid who's talking trash? Give me a break, dude. You're out of your mind. The world has actually lost it. And i got to be honest with you, I'm okay with that. Because our Lord said the world was going to lose it. Our Lord asked if he returned to earth, if he would even find faith on the earth. You know what that tells me? It doesn't say it explicitly. It actually says everybody loses it. It actually says that when our Lord returns, there might not be a single believer anywhere. 
And it's been to be a shock to the whole planet. How weird is that? How, I mean, think about it. I mean, let that ruminate in your head. Our Lord asks the question, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? I don't even know why, like, there's a, there are a lot of people who are horrified about a lot of the things that are going on, but if our Lord knew the condition, <laughs> let's be real, if our Lord knew enough, obviously he knows everything, and expressed this particular thing, wouldn't that be a warning? When he was here the first time, there, was, well, there wasn't really any faith on the earth. Think about this. We're coming into the Advent season. In four weeks, we will be celebrating the 2023-ish anniversary of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Son of God, born to a woman in a manger in Bethlehem. Are you going to tell me that there was any real amount of faith on the earth when he was here the first time? You think it's it would surprise him if there was no faith on the earth again? I don't think so. We just have this, I don't know, this cloudy thing about us in our heads. We go, oh yeah, no, there's sure, there will always be this, there will always be that. Our Lord made a promise that his church would be here always, that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. He did not, he did not say that every human element of the church was going to still have faith when he came back. He didn't even say Peter would have faith when he came back. He did say, when you convert, confirm your brethren. Which seemed to indicate that Peter, Peter was going to mess it up, and he did. Which means that St. Peter's successors, being human, are going to mess it up, and they did. One of them is currently doing it right now, by the numbers. I'm not even saying, obviously, I don't condone what the Holy Father has decided to do to Cardinal Burke, but I also don't condone what he did to Bishop Strickland. And i got to be perfectly honest with you, it's sort of almost funny in a sick and twisted way that the people who have come out of the woodwork said, that's what he gets for his disobedience. Just got done listening to Michael Matt say, you know, Cardinal Bur in Cardinal Burke's case, Cardinal Burke's job is not to just listen to the Pope. Cardinal Burke's job is to advise the Pope. The Pope is supposed to be the servant of the servants of God. He who would be the master of all needs to serve even the least. Duh. We know this, man. You need to follow the Pope. The Pope needs to follow Christ. Christ is the head of the church. The Pope is his vicar. The Pope is the vicar of the king. He is not the king. You know, like the steward of Gondor, to use the Lord of the Rings reference, which is actually the only reference in all of, actually in, in all of storytelling, it's the only one where the allegory actually plays out right, 
because the steward of Gondor is not the king. He's simply the placeholder for the king. But in this particular case, Christ's vicar, <laughs> coming out and talking about how everybody in the, like everybody's coming out, oh, well, everybody in the church needs to obey him. I'm sorry, hang on, hold on, hold on just a minute. The Pope is Pontifex Maximus. The Pope has a tiara of three crowns. We can't even get this Pope to put on anything like, we can't even get this Pope to put on the cool shoes or the Saturno. And the Pope is supposed to have a crown. The papal tiara. Showing his supremacy over even the kings of the earth. So we've fallen quite a ways away. And I blame Paul VI because, he's like, because he wanted to democratize everything. And now we're getting exactly... I mean, it's what we had, what we had in that stupid synod on synodality was not hey, we're going to change all the doctrines of the faith. The more I look at it, the more I realize that was just a play fake. It was just to get people, to, it was just to get people in the room talking. It apparently was doing nothing but exhaust the cardinals and the bishops who were there because they're sitting there going, you know, I went through all of this stuff to be a priest and now I've got these idiots who don't even understand, who don't even understand the basics of the simpler catechisms, like, you know, the Baltimore Catechism, or the Catechism of St. Pius X, let alone the heavy and slightly flawed theological document that is the Catechism of the Catholic Church, that big triple C, ginormous book with 3,000 passages that enumerate and elucidate everything, mostly, kind of. Like, why are you throwing shade on the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Because they got a couple of things wrong. Because grace flows into the world through the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And other peoples, non-Catholics, can have grace, but the grace that they have flows from the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And if they're outside of that church, extra, extra ecclesium, nulla salus, there is no salvation. <clears throat> and that is what the church has always taught. You know what else the church has always taught? The church actually has always taught that not everybody wants to be saved. That God wants to save everybody, but not everybody wants to be saved. And even people who claim, oh yes, I absolutely want to be saved, will say in that day, Lord, Lord, and he'll be like, bro, I don't even know you. He'll go further. He'll judge every one of our words, every one of our works. He'll judge every idle moment, every idle word. He'll judge every idle deed. And his judgment is perfect. His justice is perfect. And the fact that things are coming to pass the way they are today, 
it doesn't shake my faith as a Catholic. My faith is being reinforced. Because every day I see one of these people prove yet another prophecy, yet another thing, yet another, whether it's in Ezekiel or Daniel, whether it's Our Lady of La Salette or it's Our Lady of Fatima or it's Our Lady of Akita, every day that they prove something else right, I look and I go, God's word is true. Glory be to God. Laudetur Jesus Christus in saecula. So far from being discouraged by the things that are happening around me, I'm celebrating. I'm sorrowful for the people who are causing all the problems. I am sorrowful for the, for the implosion of church militant. But I'm happy that it finally did implode because I don't think that they were ever going to be as good as they think they were. After hearing the video from Michael Voris, where he basically wanted to cry out and say, yes, I've done all of these things, but he didn't want to cry out and say, I've been an absolute hypocrite. He didn't want to say that all of the things he was accusing the bishops of, he himself was doing. He didn't want to say that. I'll tell you this. <clears throat> David Gordon said something to the effect of personnel is policy, and this is largely true. But he was looking at personnel is policy from a perspective that I think might have been a little bit flawed. And it's not to say that I disagree with his synopsis. It's not to say that I disagree with everything that he did. I don't actually disagree with anything he said. I'm merely taking issue with this one tiny thing. And this one tiny thing is, is that in the case of Church Militant and Michael Voris, Michael Voris was not just personnel. You could make the argument that he was not the one who founded St. Michael's Media, and he's not the one who founded Church Militant or Real Catholic TV. But the fact is, is he was the face and root of the organization. He wasn't just personnel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Christine Niles was personnel. Simon Rafe was personnel. David Gordon was personnel. For the brief time Milo Yiannopoulos was there, Milo Yiannopoulos was personnel. Christine Harrington was personnel. But Michael Voris was not just personnel. In the same, and I believe this to be the same, or to be also true, for the Legionaries of Christ. The Legionaries of Christ, founded by Father Marcel Maciel, who was a diabolical man, a diabolical, evil man. <clears throat> he may have repented on his deathbed. I don't know. Honestly, I don't care because I'm not going to count on something like that. He was a diabolical man. Part in parcel with the child sex trade coming in and out of Latin America. He was a diabolical man. And he's the founder of the Legionaries of Christ. I don't care how many good and faithful priests are in the Legionaries of Christ. I don't care. 
I don't care how many good people are in the legionaries of Christ. When your founder is as corrupt as he was, smart money is you shutter the organization. And people who and those men who had a vocation go elsewhere. Oh, we can save the organization. Why? Cut down the tree. And likewise with Church Militant. Because here's where you run into the issue. Michael Boris was not just an employee at Church Militant. He was the face of Church Militant. He was the driver of Church Militant. He was the CEO. And while technically CEOs can just be fired and dispensed with, that is in a normal company. When you're getting rid of your founder, and you have corruption running, weaseling its way through the channels of the, the underground channels of your organization, especially to the degree that they did. When they're wasting time going after people, just laymen, you're spending millions of dollars of, on a lawsuit against Mike Parrott. For what? Because he held a fundraiser? Because that fundraiser happened to hit and strike a chord? They needed to raise $100,000. They raised $100,000 and then the fundraiser was struck down by GoFundMe because GoFundMe are a bunch of savages. So they open up Give, Send, Go. And the second time around, they raise $140,000. And this all takes place in the course from roughly Thursday to Sunday. They open up the fundraiser. People jump on it. <clears throat> it gets canceled. They open up another fundraiser. People jump on that. In most cases, hadn't even... I, I know I hadn't gotten my money back by the time I donated the second time. And I didn't care. Why? Because if this priest was innocent... And I really want to have a longer conversation with Mike Parrott because I understand the things that came out in the media. But one of the things that came out in his talk with E. Michael Jones was something more. There was something else there. And it's really aggravating to me because all of a sudden I find myself about to be like, oh, well, I guess maybe I'm making another retraction. I retract the retraction. Okay, this is cool. It's not like it's, it's not like I'm going to sound like a moron by going back and forth. Hey, you sound like you're flip-flopping like a politician. <clears throat> Look, I, I just wanted to, I want to talk to RTF Mike and maybe get some more lowdown because I have this feeling that my initial suspicion was right. But as of right now, it's just a feeling. And I got it. There was later news that came out, but this is actually as of yesterday, the day before. Like this is literally as of this past Thursday, where this new information where this new indicator information is out. So we'll see. I hope I get an opportunity. Mike, if you're listening, I do want to talk to you about Father James Jackson. <clears throat>
even if we don't do another show on it, I I would like to talk to you about it because I just I don't know that <clears throat> his whole situation just doesn't pass the smell test, and it's really starting to aggravate me because my natural distrust was countered by subsequent news news uh, news reports, and that seems to be. Yeah, it, it, yeah, this is starting to get a little more complicated than I like. So we'll see. Like I said, Mike, if you're listening, I do want to talk to you about that. Even if we don't do a show on it, I want to, I do want to talk to you about it because this is weird. The, The implosion of church militant and church and honestly, St. Michael's media has to go. They need to just go ahead and close the doors. I know it's going to aggravate a lot of people, but the face, but the face of their organization was living a double life for 15 years. That's what it looks like. It looks like the face of their organization was living a double life for 15 years. And that very recently he was not doing what he, what he was claiming. Very recently, Church Militant decided to try briefly to go the way that they attacked the bishops. So this is a problem because you can't have that mixed in with all of the other stuff and actually think that you're doing a good job. And for Christine Niles to come out and say, I'm not in the business of detraction, lady, I don't think you know what journalism is. I'm not a journalist. Why? Because I'm not in the business of detraction. Now, I might accidentally put my foot in it, but I'm not in the business of detraction. If you're a journalist, that's your whole business. Your whole thing is to go dig up information that people don't want you to know. So don't tell me you're not in the business of detraction. You're out of your mind. Clearly, you must have been absent the day they taught journalism in journalism school, or you were absent the day they taught Catholicism in RCIA. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Believe it or not, though, it is actually a good thing that something like this is happening. I spent the last several weeks saying we need to pray for people like you who are listening to me. I beg you to pray for me. Your prayers are worth more than money to me. You want to give me money? Hey, that's cool. I would much rather you pray. I have a day job for crying out loud. <laughs> Gracious. This is a passion project. If you want to, if you would like to give me money, I will gladly accept money. You can support the show. You know, you go to acast.com or you go to radiofreecatholic.com. They got the links on there where you can support the show if you want to. And I'm not going to turn you down. But I have a day job for reasons. The reason it's part of the reason why I don't do the podcast every day anymore. The day job got a little more intense. It also showed me during the course of this last summer that I desperately need your prayers. Because my day job can occasionally get so intense that I'm not the person you want to be listening to. <clears throat> now, I see this implosion. And it reminds me that we need to be praying for everybody. Now, for all the demons that Mike Boris has to deal with and all the demons that Christine Niles has to deal with and all of the things that David Gordon has to deal with now and all of the people who have now left Church Militant and all of the things, all of the demons, the board of directors and Simon Rafe and all these other people in Church Militant are going to have to deal with. The fact is, is everybody who is presumptive enough to think that they can speak out and try to proclaim the gospel, you need to be praying for all of them, whether you agree with them or not. I don't agree with a large portion of the members of Catholic media. Especially if they happen to fall into the category that we use uh, to call Pope's planners. The Ultramontanists who believe that we need to follow the that we need to follow the Pope even if the Pope is leading us straight into hell. Oh, this can kind of it look, I got it. We're in a spot. The Pope needs our prayers, but the Pope needs our prayers. I don't need to know every, every phrase that get look. I'm... The interview he gave where he said that when he reads the gospels, he sees Christ as a communist. If you don't understand how absolutely evil that statement is. I understand. If you don't understand 
what level of blasphemy that statement is, I understand. The Pope called our Lord a communist. <clears throat> I don't actually have to hear the rest of his words. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, at this point, I now don't care to. I would prefer to return to the blithe understanding of every other Catholic before the advent of major media. If I don't hear another word from the Holy Father for the rest of my life, I'll be fine. As of right now, sede menefrego. I don't care what's coming out of Rome. I'm going to follow the faith. If that means I get canceled, I get canceled. If that means I get killed, I get killed. If that means that the FBI comes pounding down my door because they figured out exactly what tiny little apartment I live in <clears throat> that this podcast is coming out of, whatever. Menefrego. I don't care. I'm going to live out my faith. I'm going to work out my salvation with fear and trembling, the way the Apostle St. Paul says. I'm going to try and make sure that if our Lord comes today, he will at least find some faith in me. Admittedly, it will only be by his grace anyway, so. And that's it. All of these scandals that are going around in the rest of the church, they really don't matter. The fact that we know about them, kind of important, lets you know, kind of, you know, you get to read the, not the tea leaves, the tea leaves is the, you get to read, you know, the leaves on the trees. You step out and you look out at the sky and you see the way the sky looks and you go, oh, hey, it's going to be like this. You feel the bitterness in the wind or you feel that, that hot dryness in, in the wind or whatever, and you, you can kind of tell what, you know, what time and season it is. I'll do that. I'll use this information to understand that. But I can think of a few things that are just a little bit more important than what comes out of the mouth of the Pope. So I'll just throw this out there. The city I live in has some hallmarks that there are Catholics in this city. Some hallmarks. Alongside the Protestant organizations like the Salvation Army or Good or uh, or I guess the secular organization of Goodwill, I don't even know if Goodwill actually has any connection. But aside from the Protestant organizations, uh, the humanitarian organizations like that, we have some specifically Catholic ones, ones I'd never heard of in this town. We have a bunch of parishes in this town. I've met a few random Catholics. But you know what's really wild? Those Catholics knew I was Catholic before I knew they were Catholic. I have a chaplet of the Holy Face, which is which I got from uh, Rugged Rosaries. They make the World War One battle beads. And so I have a chaplet of the Holy Face that was made by them. I think it was, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was them. <clears throat> the crucifix that they put on there is the standard pardon crucifix that comes on a lot of uh, rosaries. 
Uh, it's the one in that, and for those of you who don't know, actually, there's a particular sort of uh, crucifix, um, and it's known as the pardon crucifix because it actually is the type of crucifix that has an indulgence or has an indulgence attached to it. Now, anybody who reverences the crucifix gets an indulgence. If you're in a state of grace, you reverence the crucifix by kissing it, then you get an indulgence of three years. That was the that was the the indulgence attached to that crucifix. Now it has changed because they went from they went <clears throat> um, they went from you know good stuff like the Ricolta to the Incaridian, which is basically stingy as all get out. And when you're dealing with a mass that now only gives you 13% of the grace, and then the Incaridian is now actually even stingy as all, stingier than, than, say, the Ricolta. It's really, really hard to tap into the font. Like, oh, but the indulgences and blah, 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 blah. And they became too, no, dude, I want to live my entire life in a state of grace with massive amounts of graces that are pouring out and overfilling my cup and pouring out onto the people around me so that I can live in a Catholic community so that I don't go to heaven alone. Is that too much to ask? So that I have absolutely every opportunity that every time I pull my head out of my butt, decide to stop doing stupid stuff and trusting God in His plan of salvation, that I can get more of those graces and move closer to actually getting into heaven and maybe not spending quite so much time in purgatory. Sorry, I'm kind of greedy like that. I kind of don't want to wait. It actually gets far more intense when I spend, you know, a lot of time in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I get you. It gets a little nuts, a little emotional about it. Especially when I'm talking about it away from, you guessed it, the Blessed Sacrament. <clears throat> I would sleep under the altar with the exposed Blessed Sacrament if I could, just so I could know for a fact that when I wake up, I look up and I see my Lord. I know it. It may sound like I'm being flippant or histrionic or, I don't know, it may sound like there's something not genuine there, but that's actually, legitimately, I would absolutely live like that. The, <clears throat> the fact is... <laughs> I had that little chaplet of the holy face wrapped around wrapped around my hand in the cross, um, because the part that comes from the center metal, the central metal on the chaplet, um, the beads are a little bit longer. Uh, the bead attachments are a little bit longer than what's kind of normal. Um, the cross actually ha hangs out of my hand, and you can see the cross hanging from my left hand when I'm walking. When I'm, you know, when I'm just walking around. And that was enough to get some, that was enough for another, for a fellow Catholic to walk up and go, hey, and start asking, you know, for some information and some help. I'm like, okay, interesting. And she even said to me, you're walking around with a rosary in your hand. I figured anybody who was publicly displaying a rosary like that was probably perfectly safe to ask. it did not occur to me that that would be a thing. Truly, honestly. I'm not a particularly good person. I have a history that's pretty sordid. <clears throat> but, 
all of that I face when I look at the guy in the mirror. When other people look at the guy I see in the mirror, they see a Catholic. And it occurs to me every so often, about every three or four months, that I find out people are Catholic because they tell me, or because I see them at church. If I see them at church, it's obvious. Um, But for the most part, I have to be told, oh yeah, I'm also Catholic. And I know in part of it actually happens because when we're, you know, when I get into conversations about faith, I assume most everybody I talk to is, is not Catholic. So it usually comes up with an opener and so, you know, something and I'll be like, well, you know, I'm Catholic, blah, blah, blah. And they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm Catholic too. And I'll be like, oh really? How on earth do you not know what I'm, what we're talking about here then? That's the bigger question. How on earth do we have so many Catholics who are not obviously Catholic? In my old parish in Indiana, everybody who went to church, by the which was a which was a it was kind of a double parish. So we had an English, we had an American English parish, and then we had a Spanish parish. And this is one of the reasons why I've always been a supporter of actually just going back to Latin. Is we go to Latin Mass, and guess what? You have all the English speakers and all the Spanish speakers in the church at the same time. And then they get to know one another. Even if they don't really speak the language, people will start to figure out that maybe maybe I should branch out or maybe we'll just all start speaking in Latin. And this way, you know, the English speakers speak English at home, the Spanish speaks Spanish at home, and everybody speaks Latin at church. And when you're communicating with each other, we just have la lingua franca, Latin. Gee, what a concept. Well, how amazing would that be? That would be amazing. It'd almost be like we were one church. I have to laugh. I actually have my hand like I'm holding. May as well actually put that thing back in my hands because <clears throat> I wear the chaplet so very often around my hand. Um, it's kind of like my... I guess like Linus's security blanket from the Peanuts. Feel it wrapped around my hand. I grip the cross in between my hands. I, you know, it lets me. It reminds me always to pray. The <clears throat> the key thing is we're supposed to be Catholic. One of the things that, that Bishop Barron, Bishop Robert Barron, likes to say on occasion, um, and honestly, I think it's a cop-out, partially, because I think the, the, I think the bishop doesn't actually want to get involved in the day-to-day -day stuff because he's worried about falling afoul of, you know, the other powers that be. Just keep in mind, you've got cardinals like Supich, and then you have bishops like Robert Barron, and then you have the arch, like Archbishop Cordelione. The three of them are very, very different people, very, very different approaches. And it stands to reason, you know, that 
if the bishops are as active as they probably should be in the community, it, it's literally, it stands to reason, part of the reason why he believes the laity need to be sanctifying the public spaces is so that the bishops don't actually have to, so they don't get themselves in hot water. At least part of it. But I do know that that was kind of a thing coming out of the Second Vatican Council, was that they wanted the laity to actually go forth into the world. Forgetting, of course, that it was the priests that carried the gospel. That the, missionary, that the missionaries were always priests. But I do also agree that if you're going to be Catholic, then you should pretty much be identifiable as a Catholic. I, don't, I wouldn't go to Spain in this... Well, I mean, <laughs> I'll put it this way. You go to Spain, you know who the Muslims are. Likewise, France, Germany, Italy. You go to any country in Europe, you know who the Muslims are. And you can pretty much assume by default that most of the rest are Catholic especially Spain, France, and Italy, and Portugal. Just like you can go to England and, for the most part, assume everybody's Anglican unless they look Muslim. But in America, there's enough of a difference between Protestants and Catholics in America. There's enough of a difference between Protestant theology and Catholic theology. Protestant prayer and Catholic prayer Lex orandi, lex credendi, lex videndi. This is kind of the deal. This is what I'm actually invoking here. We believe differently. We pray differently. We live differently, presumably. And we should be living differently enough that I could walk down the street and go Catholic, Protestant, Catholic, Protestant, Catholic, Protestant, 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 Jew, Muslim, Catholic. Depending on the city I'm in. You know, the ratios might be different depending on where you're at. But there's not a doubt in my mind that you should be able to identify a Christian by sight, by how they comport themselves. You should be able to identify a Catholic by sight, by how they comport themselves. But the fact is, you can't. The fact is, is that in a city like the one I live in, which has Catholic patrimony. I'm up near the northwesternmost corner of New France, or New Spain, depending on what year you're measuring from when it was a colony. But New France and New, and New Spain were both Catholic. French Jesuits, Spanish Franciscans. The imprint, you can still see it, the imprint is here. You know where it's missing? It's missing in the people. It's missing specifically in the Catholics. Why is it missing in the Catholics? Because the 2% of Catholics that do believe the faith are not going out and calling the rest of the Catholics that are kind of meh about their faith to be a little bit better about it. Nor are they going out into the streets and saying, hey, this is the truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Truth made flesh. God on earth. It dry oh man, it it irritates me to no end. The freaking lodge in this city is nicer than the cathedral. 
the freaking Masonic Lodge, that Satanist temple, is nicer looking than the cathedral. And all the parish churches drives me nuts. I want to raise that building to the ground. <clears throat> Wouldn't do bad to salt the earth there either. Especially, <laughs> it's such a waste of a building. <clears throat> the Knights of Columbus in my area have a, have a building that looks like a utility shed of some sort. Both the Society of St. Pius V and the diocesan parish on my side of the river are they're both churches and schools, and they both look like prisons. Now, you walk in the doors, it's completely different, but. <clears throat> That drives me nuts. Why would I care about what the Pope says when the Catholics that are within arm's reach of me aren't identifiably Catholic? Why do I care about what's coming out of the Basilica in Rome when the cathedral here eh. Assuredly I say to you if God ever hits <laughs> lets me hit the lotto or some nonsense like that There's going to be a Catholic building in this town. It's going to be obviously Catholic. It's going to be screamingly Catholic. You're going to see it for miles around, and it's going to proclaim the greatness of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's going to proclaim in a loud voice that you can see for miles, Viva Cristo Rey! Of course, that's probably why he won't let me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're going to build a building? I don't need buildings. I need people. Not that he actually needs, but you know. Oh, yeah, we got a building. Yay. <clears throat> Does your temple exude the faith? Because until it does, maybe you don't worry about everybody else. That niggling feeling in the back of your mind of organizations like Church Militant, going, eh, they're a little bit too, eh. 
Well, it's probably because they don't exude the faith. They talk about the faith, they preach the faith, but do they really exude the faith? You know what a good and holy priest looks like. You know what good Catholic men and women look like. Do you fit the bill? Are you praying? Are you spending time in front of the Blessed Sacrament? Are you going to confession regularly? Are you doing the things that you need to do? Are you raising your kids in the faith? Look, I'll be blunt. I don't much care about that one kid. Like, I care about the one kid who got caught up by the FBI because of whatever he said on a Discord server or whatever. Objectively, I care. But was what he said Catholic? What do I mean by that? As a Catholic, you may or may not be aware, we cannot support the Jewish occupation of the Holy Land. This has been repeated many times by popes. We cannot support Zionism. They reject our Lord. They don't have a temporal claim to the Holy Land. Period. Full stop. When we talk about the New Jerusalem, the New Jerusalem is not the city of Jerusalem. When we, in spiritual terms, when we're talking about Jerusalem, we're talking about Israel, we're not talking about the Jewish people anymore. We are talking about the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. They rejected the covenant. Remember I said some people reject heaven? They just don't want to go to heaven? Some people don't want to be saved? The church has always taught that some people just don't want to be saved. Either you don't want to be saved because you're too lazy to be saved, or you don't want to be slaved, uh, saved because you have an antipathy towards God. But either way, whether it's one of those two, you still don't want to be saved. And the people in the Levant have rejected God because they've rejected Christ. And the ones who didn't are the ones who are getting ground in the meat grinder out there with no dog, with no other dog in the fight other than the fact that they happen to be there. Because the Muslims are motivated by hatred over there and the Jews are motivated by hatred over there. And whether or not they want to admit it, the fact is, is both sides are completely genocidal in their approach. And you as a Catholic should understand that we can't support genocide. So if this kid got scooped up by the FBI because he was saying something like that, well, good for him. Laudetur Jesus Christus in saecula. God be praised. Now, if he was saying some other nonsense, well, oops. But I've said time and again, if people are going to come busting down my door, you can bust down my door all you want if it's because I'm Catholic. And you're going to come in now. I'm not going to guarantee that there's not going to be a fight when you get in through the door. 
But if that's going to be what makes me disappear, I'd rather it be that. I'd go to the guillotine for that. Arms would be crossed in the side of the cross as the guillotine falls on my head. Gladly. What's been bothering me lately is we're not obviously Catholic. We are the one true faith, followers of the King of Kings. And for some strange reason in our day-to-day -day conduct, we just can't seem to show ourselves to be his disciples. We just don't seem to want to wear the marks that mark us out as his. Do you ever think maybe that's why we have the Pope we do? Just a thought. Pray for the church. Pray for the nation. Get out there and show your true colors. I'll let you know right now, your front door the front gate to your yard, whatever the perimeter is between your home and the world, that's the gates of hell. It's those gates that won't prevail against the kingdom. Which means you go out into the world and raid the world for all the souls you can. Pillage and plunder that which the devil has taken from our Lord. The gates of hell will not prevail. That means we raid. That means we go out into the world and we get the souls and we bring them into the kingdom. That means we go in with the paragliders and preach the gospel. That means we come in on the boats and do the landing and preach Christ crucified. That means we breach the walls and proclaim His resurrection. And we should be doing that with every thought, word, and deed. And if we do that, you'll find that avoiding the mark of the beast is much easier. You do that and you'll find that when they come for you, you're okay with it. Because God's will is being done. We like to concert, like, we do like these consecrations as a parish, as individuals, as families. We consecrate ourselves to our Lord, to His Sacred Heart, to Our Lady's Immaculate Heart. We do all these consecrations. You probably actually ought to read those words. Read what it is that you're saying before you actually say it and comprehend 
I'm giving you all of my material goods. I'm giving you my body, my soul, my health, my love, my heart, my mind, my will. I'm giving all of it to you to do with as you will. That means your children. That means your house. That means your car. That means your Xbox and your cell phone and your computer. That means your bed and your clothing and your body. That means your food. It means your makeup, your soap, your towel. And if you're holding anything back, you might want to ask yourself why. And once you've done that examination, then pray for the church. Then pray for your nation. And then pray for all of us morons in Catholic social media and in Catholic media so that we don't do to ourselves what just happened to Church Militant. And so that we don't do to ourselves what has happened between other organi- within other organizations and between other Catholic podcasters. So that we don't get involved in these feuds. And we simply proclaim the faith. Like I said, you can give money, RadioFreeCatholic.com. I got links on there. You can, you can, I'll, I'll take the money. But I'd rather you pray. Hail Marys, chaplets of the Holy Face, especially chaplets of the Holy Face. Prayers to St. Michael. If you happen to be a member of, of the Auxilium Christianorum, and you happen to pray that, let me know. Well, no, you don't have to let me know. <clears throat> but you can remember me in that one too. We're surrounded on all sides by the enemy. You'd think by now we'd figure out it's pretty easy to figure out where they are, and we can go on the attack at any time. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.